Okay, but to start, uh, I'm going to use an illustration. So I, uh, I had a red Dodge Dakota before the car we've got now, but and it was pretty old, like 98, I think it was, 98 Dodge Dakota. Anyways, every once in a while, it would get hot, and um, some, some of you rescued me, I think. Jim, one time, I, I was out of coolant totally. It had a slow coolant link, but it took me a while to figure that out. But anyways, it would overheat, and slowly the coolant would leak out. But anyways, one time I opened up the hood, and I was looking in there trying to figure out what was going on, and ended up being the water pump had a slow leak and you could just see like dried up residue on it um where it was leaking and but it was so slow that it, I could use it but anyways something strange happened when I was like uh w like looking in there I heard this like clang a uh, loud clang and something fell and hit the ground and it was these pliers and uh they're not mine and so these pliers had been riding in the engine uh, for years, at least, at least two and a half years, because I had the car for that long, but probably longer than that. And so somebody had been working on the car at some point and using this, and they just left them in there. And it's crazy because drove on the highway thousands and thousands of miles, and these craftsman pliers were just in the engine, which is wild um, and strange. Um, but I was thinking about that in terms of kind of a good illustration of uh, a lot of what we know about the Bible, right? It's like how much of the truth that we know from God um, we kind of forget about, and we just kind of set it somewhere maybe in our mind, and we never pick it up and use it. Um, it's like just there. It's just knowledge, you know? And... We obviously don't want that to be the case, and I've used this illustration before, but um, just the verse, you know, I wonder how many of us, actually, maybe let's we'll just do a, like, kind of a fun thing. Um, how many of you think you could finish this verse, lean not on, it, on your own understanding, but how many do you think could maybe finish that? Maybe, it looks like maybe half. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Something like that. That might not be word perfect, but um, it's from Proverbs. And now here's the question. What if I asked you, okay, that's awesome. How are you doing that today? Could you say like, oh, well, yeah, well, when I wake up, you know, I pray, and I give my day to God, and I ask him, Lord, help me. You know, with this, it's coming up in this. And this, or it may be something different. You might do it differently. It might not be all at the beginning of the day. You might just be, you might say, well, throughout the day, I just, I give these short prayers. God, help me with this next thing. God, help me with this coming up. And just little things throughout the day. Or maybe it's something totally different than that. Um, there's, I, it's not prescriptive, like, this is how you have to do it. But certainly, it's to be applied, right? It's not just an encouraging verse to put in our mind and kind of, well, I mean, this is kind of a good example. Get all rusty up there. You know, it's like they work better if you use them, you know, and you don't leave them in your engine for two years. So that's what we want for ourselves. You know, we want, and we've said this before, we want to hold on to truth. We don't want to let go. Uh, but we also want to apply it. And we don't have to let go of one or the other. And so second reason I wanted to 
use these as an illustration is sometimes really useful things can kind of get hidden away where you can't use them. And actually, I feel like the verse I want to share about specifically today is kind of like that. That the, the way it got hidden was accidentally grammar, basically. <laughs> so the first 15, 10 minutes of the message are going to be kind of boring because I'm going to talk about grammar for 10 minutes. But um, there's a verse in the Bible, and I'm not going to tell you where it is until I kind of set it up, that the grammar of it hides a lot of the usefulness. And I'll tell you what it is, um, and I'm going to read, I'm not going to read the ESV, um, and I'm going to recommend, if you've ever used um, translations as you study to try and understand, there's one that's really helpful called Young's Literal Translation. And there's kind of a balancing act when you translate the Bible between readability versus literalness. And Young's literal is not readable at all, basically. It's like super literal and wooden, and if you read it every day, you'd be like, this is just horrible grammar and hard to read. But it's helpful in studying because it'll give you like super, super, super literal translations, even when it's like very confusing in terms of order and things like that. So Young's literal translation, it's it's quite old, but you can find it free online. Probably don't need one, like a physical copy, but okay. All that's introduction, but here's the second half of a sentence from the Bible that I feel like the grammar has kind of hidden this, the usefulness of this. Okay, here's the second half of the sentence. Through all prayer, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. So, this is the second half of the sentence. It's through prayer. And then it emphasizes it again. Through all prayer, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. So you hear the emphasis there, it's really emphasizing prayer. It says prayer like four times. Um, supplication is just another word for prayer. And... It's saying how you do something. It's saying through prayer. This is the second half of the sentence. So whatever the first half of the sentence is, this is the means. This is how you do it. Just like when in John chapter 1 it says that all things were made through him, through Jesus. It's like all things were made. How were they made? What was the means? Jesus was the means. Now, I want you to Jump now with me, turn to Ephesians 6 here, and we're going to talk about the armor of God, and the verse I read to you was 18, uh, 6.18, and really I'm going to answer just the question today, how do you take up the armor of God? How? And the answer is really, really clear grammatically. Through prayer. Um, so let's read this starting in verse 10, 610. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. 
Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, through prayer, through praying, through all prayer, different ways to say the same thing, at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert, with perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So, um, the message today is, is driven by uh, grammar, context, and then, you know, this particular passage. But um, the message is going to be that we should take up the armor of God, and how we do that is specifically through praying. And if you have the NAS, it might have a footnote. The one that we have didn't have a footnote that says through prayer. Does anyone have a footnote on uh, 18 that says through prayer? At the Okay, only just, I know a lot of the NASs don't have that. Ours doesn't, so um, looks like just one. Okay, so that, you could see that also in the Young's Literal, but 18 is through prayer. And one thing that doesn't come out in the English is that this is a long sentence. Uh, 17, taking up the helmet and the sword and the word of God. And then 18, through prayer. That's all one sentence. And even, it actually goes on to where Paul asked for prayer himself. It's all one long sentence. And there's a lot of ings, participles, in there. But there's no other verbs. So, and there's nouns too. But the reality is, is that this is one thought that the translators have kind of split up for readability. But we lost a little bit of something um, in doing that, and that is to really see that this is the means. The means of taking up the armor is specifically prayer. And the other thing to note is that the translators of ESV and NAS have kind of alluded to this behind the scenes if they put an imperative in there, which means it's a command, like pray. Well, it's not actually a command there. And the reason they put a command is because they're taking the imperative back from 17, where we're, the imperative is to take take up. So even they kind of are alluding to the fact that the command to pray is tied to this command of taking up the armor of God. Okay, so that's all the grammar and... Uh, I'll spare you. I had some like different like people who kind of agree with this, and I'm not going to read you all their quotes because if you're interested, we can talk about it. If you're interested in the Greek and all that, we can talk about it later and make everyone else have an extra 10 minutes of their day and maybe be able to pay attention the rest of the time. Okay, so hard part aside, grammar part aside, this is one sentence. It's very clearly a means that the way you take up is through prayer. If you write in your Bible, you know, I would write through prayer right there in in 18 um, because it's really important. Okay, so then to the just kind of the overall idea. 
when you hear the armor of God, um, is it kind of like these these old you know tools you know that was found in my truck? Is it something that you use, or is it just kind of like in the back of your mind? Uh, you might ask yourself, over the last year, did you think on and use the armor of God in your life? Um, apply it. And maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But my hope today is that through this short message, topical message, that you would have this tool going forward. And the tool is that the armor of God, you put it on through praying. Specifically, looking at the content should be driven by the, the context here. And so the context before is talking about the, when do we need the armor of God? Well, we need it all the time. But specifically, we need it in the evil day. It's talking about difficulties coming upon us and being able to stand firm. And what I'm going to submit to you is that what Paul had in mind here was that when you encounter difficulties, that you would kind of use this like a mnemonic, like you would pray through these things and apply them to your specific situation. So what might that be? It could be a lot of different things, really. What difficulty, what evil thing, what scheme of the devil or struggle against cosmic power, spiritual difficulty in your life might this apply to? It could be a lot of things. It could be simply discouragement. Okay, Discouragement can come upon us regularly. Have you felt discouraged, you know? Um, in the past month, two months, and what did you do with that? What about even shame over sin? Or it could be you feel, this is kind of relates to discouragement, but you feel kind of useless. Like, am I really doing anything? Am I really useful? Am I really making an impact? Or it could be something like a specific word. Maybe somebody says something really discouraging to you. Um, It could be something hurtful to you. What do we do with that? Well, I want to give you one tool today, and that is pray through the armor of God with that specific difficulty. Um, and th- So what would that look like? Let's just kind of do a, if this was high school, we call it a lab. Let's, let's do this together, you know, like hands-on. And so I'm just going to take that example um, of someone says something discouraging, okay? Um, somebody says something discouraging, to, we'll, we'll put me in here, to me. And what do I do with that? Well, it's bothering me. I'm feeling upset at that person. I'm feeling bitter. I'm feeling discouraged. So what do I do? Well, I can pray. But specifically to apply this, pray through the armor of God. So what would that look like? Let's start in verse 14 and just kind of walk through it together. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth... Okay, I'll stop right there. And then I would ask myself, okay, I would just tell God, I'm feeling discouraged. This person said this. It was really discouraging me. And here's how I'm feeling. And here's why. And then ask myself, okay, having fastened on the belt of truth, what verse, what truth applies here? Is there any truth that applies in this specific situation? And pray and ask God, God, would you bring something to my mind, some specific truth that applies here? Is there anything where you've said something about maybe... A, a verse, you know, about this specific situation. Something may come to mind, like um, there's a proverb in the Proverbs that says, a curse that is causeless does not alight like a bird um, landing on your head. That's almost that's not word perfect, but that's basically what it says. It's like, okay, that's kind of encouraging, you know. It's like if it's true, 
um, then I need to think about it, pray about it. And if it's not true, it's not going to land. It's not going to make a nest in my hair or anything like that. So that's a comfort, you know, um, or, you know, something else might come to my mind, but whatever it is, I'm praying through that specifically. And then I move on. Okay. It's still in verse 14, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, God, how does your righteousness covering me through Jesus's blood? Um, how does that protect me here? Well, uh, one way in this particular instance of discouragement, it protects me is God, um, whether that's true or not true, my righteousness is from your blood and from who you are, and um, it's not about me underneath. It's about you, and I'm trusting you. And so if it's true, please forgive me and cover me by your righteousness. If it's not true, um, that's okay, and I'm still covered. Um, your righteousness is what matters. It's protecting me, um, and it's not my performance anyways. That, that was my uh, protection. You know, uh, in preparing f- to talk about this, I was thinking about when Jess and I were aside here, um, when Jess and I were visiting family, we went to this really big church, and it was really loud music and really different big stage, and they had um, like a lot of props. And I was thinking, at the time, I kind of like looked down on it, but now looking back, I'm thinking like, if we had a huge church, and it cost us like one penny per person to have like a really cool prop that helps you understand the passage, like yeah, we would do that. I was thinking for this one, it'd be awesome to have like a real like breastplate of like steel up here and talk about it. Like, that'd be awesome. Like if we, <laughs> I mean, we, I don't think it would be cost effective for us, which is 200 people, but <laughs> you know, this is what I would do. Just imagine it in your mind with me. I would bring a kid up here and I would say like, okay, actually I'd bring two people up. I'd bring the strongest person, the biggest person that I could, I would pick out. And then I'd bring like a little kid and I would say like, okay, both of you put on this, you know, breastplate or whatever. Maybe I'd have two if we could afford it. That'd be cool. And then, um, I'd probably have to bring one of my own kids because then I would also bring up something to like hit it with. And just the point would be, it doesn't matter who's under it. The strength comes from it itself. It's not how strong the person is under the armor. It's the armor that's strong. And it's the same with us. It's like God's righteousness covers you, period. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It's Jesus' blood that covers you. It doesn't matter how great you are. It doesn't matter how righteous you are. Jesus covers you. So if it's a little kid or if it's the strongest guy around... The armor is still strong, period. It doesn't rely on the person. And that's the same for me in my case, like, of discouragement. It's like, okay, um, it doesn't matter who I am underneath uh, all that. What matters is Jesus' blood, and that is covering me, period. And um, whether that, however that, however that looks. I mean, that's encouragement. That's an encouragement to me that, ha, huh, I'm protected, by the blood of Jesus, and and maybe I am weak, and things like that, and that's okay, um, because it doesn't weaken Jesus, it doesn't weaken the armor. The weakness of the person under the armor doesn't make them, uh, doesn't make the armor weak, it's still strong. And so, maybe I'd pray through something like that, and praise God for it, and thank Him. Thank you, God, that your righteousness covers me despite me. Um, and really, the whole point of armor is that we're weak underneath, right? It's like, if we were strong underneath, then we would need armor at all. Um, and Spiritually, reason we all need the righteousness of Christ is because we're all sinners. Um, so, okay, that I might pray for the, through those two. Uh, I think we finished up, yeah, 14, so now 15. 
and as shoes for your feet. This is a really different one. I wonder if you've ever thought about this. The shoes are really different. Listen to what that says. As shoes for your feet, having put on readiness, is the ESV, or I think the NAS says preparation or something like that, given by the gospel of peace. So then I ask myself in this situation, okay, I'm discouraged. Somebody said something discouraging. How do I, what do I do with that? And I ask myself, what should I be ready to do here because of the gospel? What readiness should I have in light of the gospel here? Well, the readiness, I think, in this, you know, sorry, I keep hitting this. In the particular situation of maybe something discouraging is forgiveness. It's like, look, I've been forgiven by Christ for a million sins, and I'm totally imperfect. Um, And I'm sure I've said discouraging things to people, and I've said things that came across one way when I meant them the other way, things like that. And what do I do? I forgive. Why? Why am I ready to forgive? Because I'm putting on remembering what the gospel, what Christ did for me. And it may be something, you know, that's not necessarily the application every time, but you're just asking yourself, what should I be ready to do here in light of the gospel? And, you know, another thing I might say is I might be ready to move towards, right? Christ moved towards me in my sin um, and loved me. And so I should be ready to love and to move towards even things that are maybe harder. Or if somebody, um, not to distance myself, but to move in and to be a a peacemaker, be gracious, be forgiving. And so that might be what I would, would say in this kind of situation, okay? might be something different. Um, you know, we talked about, well, what if it's shame, you know? I mean, you might feel shame over your sin. Well, you're praying through all these. How does this apply in terms of what truth can I put on? You know, you might say, well, um, Christ promised. Uh, maybe First John 1, 9 comes to your mind. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. It's like, look, yes, I have shame over the sin, but God wants to forgive me. What about the breastplate of righteousness? Same thing we already talked about. It's Christ, his strength, not me. It's not about my sinlessness. It's about his righteousness covering me. It's not about me. Uh, And then the gospel, the readiness is the shoes given by the gospel of peace. Well, what should I be ready to do if I'm feeling shame over my sin? I'm ready to confess it to God and to move forward um, and to say, look, uh, yes, I sin, but Christ is covering it. And I can move on. I don't have to wallow in it. I don't have to just let it sit on my back all the time. Or I don't have to wait. Sometimes we do this. When we sin, we feel better by saying, I'll do better tomorrow. So our comfort comes from actually performance, not the gospel. So maybe it should be like, oh, I've sinned. Um, What should I be ready to do? I should be ready to run to God with that sin, have it forgiven, and just move forward. And not like wallow in it all the time not keep it on my back until I, until I perform better or until I get victory, but to actually confess it and have it released. And so you see how what I'm doing is just taking this specific discouragement, specific thing in your life um, that, that is difficult um, and just going through these and applying it and asking, how does this apply? So let's just keep going. Um, after the shoes, which are readiness, 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And then, so you can move from there, you know, just, again, back to the, something discouraging with said example. Just say, look, God, I trust you. I trust you with this. I trust you with my life. You knew this was going to happen. You knew how it was going to affect me. But you're in control, and I trust this is for my good. 
Uh, I trust that you want to help me in this situation. And just even asking myself, do I really believe the things I've kind of already said about Christ's righteousness covering me? Am I receiving that by faith? Uh, Even to the point where I have peace. It's like, yeah, God, you're in control. You know, I can lean on you. I can trust you. And with, you know, the example of shame, maybe that's it. You ask yourself, I know, I know that Jesus died for my sins, but am I taking it up by faith here? Um, if, is it, you know, another thing in terms of sin, you know, um, one, well, I I don't want to take too long on that. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Taking up the shield of faith. Do I really believe this? Am I trusting, actively trusting God with this situation, with this, whatever it is that's going on? And take the helmet of salvation. That's the next one. Which is another kind of comfort similar to the, you know, the breastplate of righteousness. It's something outside of ourselves, you know. Uh, We don't make it stronger by being stronger or anything like that. But it seems like one thing that seems clear to me is like the helmet protects the most important part of us, you know. And in many ways, it's kind of helpful when you're going through something difficult to think, okay, but I've got salvation is secure for me, you know. And no matter what happens, um, as I'm trusting Christ, that's secure. That's secure. My eternity is secure. The most important part of me, the eternal part of me, my soul is secure in Christ forever, no matter what. No matter if my arm gets cut off spiritually or physically or anything, um, the most important part of me, my soul, my eternal soul, is protected through the blood of Christ. And it could even be um, my sin. You know, it could be that I, I really do mess up. And yet, God promised, you know, salvation to me, and that's protected. Um, and that can kind of help put a bigger picture on things. It's like, yeah, as we go through this present life, there are going to be hard things. And yet, we can go through them with comfort because, look, the most important and part of us, the center part of us, our soul, is secure in Christ. And so we can move forward in that. Um, praise the Lord for that, that he's given us that protection. Okay, take up the helmet of salvation, this is 17, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Um, very similar to the belt of truth. Um, and you could pray the same thing that you already prayed, or uh, you could pray, is there anything I should say in this situation? You know, um, that maybe it's an encouragement. Maybe I could encourage somebody else. Um, maybe I could have a verse ready when these thoughts come back to me. You know, it's like, oh, now I'm feeling this again. What verse do I need in the future to kind of cut this down? Um, and just pray through it, you know. Um, whatever that might be, God might bring something to mind. And then 18. Uh, which is where we started, through prayer, through all prayer, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, keeping alert, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me, and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So here's one other clue that Paul is wanting you to pray this over your problems, it's because in all in one sentence, Paul is saying, take it up through prayer, and then it doesn't, it's not a new sentence. 
he doesn't even actually say the word prayer there. He says, and also for me, that I might be able to proclaim the gospel boldly. Um, and so the reality is, is he's saying, as you pray for yourself, pray for others, and also for me. And here's the specific difficulty I'm in. I'm in chains. I want to declare the gospel boldly, but I'm scared. Pray that I would do the right thing, basically. And so we can do this for ourselves. We can do it for one another. Um, and I hope that, that you can think about this and use this. And I find this a uh, real help to me personally and an encouragement to me that when something difficult happens to go through these, not just to have this idea that the armor is something general that we go around with all the time. I think that's partially true. But I also think that we should apply it specifically through prayer uh, in specific situations. And so things that discourage you, things that come up, difficulties, spiritual difficulties. Maybe you don't feel God lately. You know, it's like, man, God, I used to feel you a lot uh, more, and it feels like things are distant, um, and they've been distant for a while. I'm doing all I know to do. I'm reading the Bible. I'm praying, but you feel distant. So that's a a spiritual difficulty, and and we want to stand. We want to be able to stand. What can we do? Pray through all that. We could say, okay, God, what's the truth from your scripture about that? Uh, how does this apply to Christ's righteousness covering me? You know, go through all these things very specifically. And I find for me personally that after praying through these things, I see things differently. I see how I'm supposed to act differently. What am I supposed to move towards something? Um, what am I, my readiness to do something seems different after I've thought, thought through th- these things. Emotionally and spiritually, I feel different afterwards um, taking it up. God, taking God's word at face value, trying to take it by faith, all these things. Um, But it doesn't necessarily mean that I don't have to do it again and again. You know, maybe an hour later, two hours later, the next day, I'd go through it all again. Uh, Maybe it's about the exact same issue. But I hope this is a help to you. Um, We want to be people who trust the Lord. We want to be people who not just know the gospel in our mind, but are living out the gospel, right? Think about what you're basically doing here. You're basically taking the gospel that Christ died for your sins and that he, he, he sent his son, that he covers you with his righteousness, he saves you by his blood, um, his word. Uh, you're trying to apply that and then asking yourself, how does that apply to this situation and in my life right in this moment? And then um, also, how should I act going forward? What should I be ready to do here? And that's the way we want to live, basically, every day, isn't it? I mean, we want to not just know the gospel in our mind um, and then live like it's just a fact on a shelf. We, want, we don't want that. We want to know the gospel and live it out, right? Live it out. When we sin, live out the gospel. Whenever some, when we're sinned against, live out the gospel. Whenever some difficult thing comes into our mind, maybe it's a lie, maybe it's a feeling, whatever, and we apply it in that specific situation, and so this is just one tool that I hope will be helpful, as helpful to you as it's been to me. And that a week from now, a month from now, maybe we would all say something different. You know, like I asked, have you thought about the armor of God in the last year and, and applied it, you know, and um, that it's helped you? I hope that we could all say, yeah, I've I thought about it in this specific situation and it really helped me. Um, so that's... All I really wanted to uh, share with you today, and I hope you think about it. I hope it helps you this week. 
and for whatever situation you're in. Um, any questions, comments before we do communion? Well, praise the Lord. Why don't we just end in prayer here and then we'll take communion. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for how clear and helpful it is. I pray that you would help us every day in our life uh, for this to be real, um, for you to be near to us. Uh, we want to be taking your truth and applying it to the things that are really going on, things that are really hard in our life. Um, pray you'd help us. I pray that you'd help our kids uh, that they would not just know the gospel in their minds, but see us apply it in our lives. Um, help us every day. I uh, pray that they would, our kids would come to know you and love you and know your word and apply it in their own in their own lives. Thank you so much, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you that we can take this time to remember your death and lean into it and um, trust you and what you've done for us. Thank you that it's not our strength, but it's your blood, and we're very thankful. Thank you for grace and forgiveness, mercy. We ask this in your name. Amen.